0: Welcome to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today is the Joke Telling, My Bad Announcing, Mad Scientist in Training, Jordan Cress. How's it going, Jordan? What's new with you?
1: Doing good. I, I really like that uh that new nickname you gave me, the mad scientist in training. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna I'll own
1: that. But um yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um it's been good. I've been sad that the college football season is over, but um, fortunately, there's still football going on in my life, so that's been fun to watch. And then, of course, we're right in the middle of basketball season as well, so things are things are going good for me.
0: What's the thing, Jordan. Is that college football season uh, is never really over, especially now that we have pretty much free agency in college football with NIL deals and transfer portals heating up, and uh, yeah, recruiting we got national signing day in a couple weeks february 3rd texas trying to land devin campbell five-star uh of guard to uh, round out their 2022 class so yeah it's never really over this is the time really where everyone wins this is this time of hope this is the, joy. the time
1: where texas wins right in yeah. the, re- well, the yeah. recruiting the offseason
0: yeah the offseason they're doing pretty good they're giving me hope again which is not good, because I don't need that. Um, anyways, today we will discuss, uh, we're a little late to the party, but we're going to discuss Georgia, Alabama, and the national champion Bulldogs uh, in just a minute. And then we'll talk foray a little bit uh, into some new territory. We're going to talk about the NFL um, and the, the playoffs happening. Uh, some of these playoff games have been really interesting Uh, Talk a little bit about college basketball, kind of the upper echelon uh, levels of one of our favorite sports, and then we have a hypothetical Sunday for you, bringing back the hypothetical Tuesday, then hypothetical Friday, and this time it's hypothetical Sunday with Jordan presenting the question, so stick around to the end of the the episode because that will be a treat, I'm sure, but first, uh, let's delve into... Couple weeks behind, but uh, delve into that Georgia Bama game. Uh, what What are your initial thoughts from watching that game, Jordan? I mean, if you love a good storyline, like a good narrative,
1: um, I feel like the national championship game, in in particular, the narrative of Stetson and Bennett was a good one. You know, I feel like they can make a movie about that. You know, kind of um, very like kind of an underdog kind of guy not very highly recruited uh, coming out of high school, had to play behind quite a few quarterbacks to work his way up to where he was. And then, you know, had to deal with a lot of people doubting him and not really thinking that he would be good enough to beat a team like Alabama and for him to respond the way that he did, especially in the face of adversity, um, at the end of that championship game was, was just awesome to see. Um, and especially, you know, in the fourth quarter, there was um, that key possession where he fumbled the ball, which led to an Alabama touchdown, which put Alabama up. So at that point, as a Georgia fan, I'm sure you were probably worried and everything like thinking like, Oh man, here we go again. This is the end. But then Stetson Bennett comes back, responds next drive. And they, he scores two more touchdowns in the, in the fourth quarter and they win
0: the game. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, what, yeah. What were your thoughts? It was really fun to watch for sure. Like from a outside perspective, someone who I, I wasn't really cheering for either team. Like, I guess I was cheering for Georgia just because they're the team that hasn't won and it's been a long time and good for them. And Bama wins all the time. And it would just be depressing if Bama had won this, considering this is the worst Alabama team in several years. This is a rebuilding year for Alabama. Uh, so if they would have still won, that would have been depressing but, um, yeah, for most of the, for a lot of the game, honestly, Bama was ahead and seemed to be in, in relative control. One of the big storylines for me was the, um, injury to their best, uh, healthy receiver, um, Jameson Williams, the, the transfer who hurt his knee. I believe that was in the second quarter. It was pretty early on in the game and, uh, and despite that he had he had four receptions for sixty five yards, and one of their leading deep, receivers it's one of their leading receivers in just yeah. like a quarter of play mm-hmm. and they were already without Mechie, who was win out in uh earlier in the season so that was a big storyline for me not to put an asterisk on this game because Georgia won the game fair and square, and it when it came down to it, they won by fifteen points it was, it was decisive by the end, but I do think those wide receiver injuries uh, made a difference in the outcome.
1: Oh, for sure. There's no denying that. I mean, especially where Alabama was not able to establish a run game at all. Alabama ran for 30 yards. I would be interested to know when the last time was that Alabama only ran for 30 yards in any game in the last decade. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there has been a game where they've only run for 30 yards. Granted um, you know, they, a lot of those yards were negative plays by, uh, Bryce young. They, the Georgia defense sacked him four times, um, which was another big thing. Cause you know, they were already putting so much pressure on Bryce young to throw the ball. And then on top of that, he did not have much time in the pocket. Cause that, that Georgia defensive line was, they were a lot to handle in that game, especially, um, against an Alabama offensive line that has been kind of inconsistent throughout the season. And they were kind of a little bit weak going into that game as well. So um yeah it was a tough ask for Bryce Young um and then he also just didn't play his best game um ever but um but yeah that's that's it is what it is yeah
0: those linebackers though for Georgia those dudes are man they are really impressive because they're really big like like walkers like 6'4", 240 um Dean is a really impressive athlete but they're fast. Like when, when, when Bryce Young left the pocket, he's not an extraordinary athlete, but he's mobile enough. And when he tried to leave the pocket to make something happen, man, they closed quick. Those, there was not, there's not a lot of time for for Bryce Young to, uh, to do much in the pocket or outside of the pocket that Georgia defense is, is for real. Um, Their only Achilles heel, their only weakness they showed all season was uh, threats downfield. And with those two injuries, with the Bama star wide receivers, the, the young, the young replacements really just couldn't, couldn't offer that, um, that threat to the Georgia defense. And Bryce Young, to his credit, tried to do the best he could to uh, make the best of the situation, but he didn't have a lot of weapons. Like you said, they clamped down on the running game and uh, Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator for Alabama did not help them uh, at all in uh, particularly in the red zone because Alabama got in the red zone, I think five, six times maybe came away with four field goals from those red zone trips. Um, and if you go back and look at the film, like there was very few plays. They didn't run very many like pick plays or mesh concepts. We have the wide receivers crossing each other to, to create space with linebackers and cornerbacks trying to, trying to chase in man coverage because Georgia ran a lot of man, especially when the wide receivers went out they knew they could handle in man coverage. Um, and so I feel like Bill O'Brien did not, did not put Bryce Young in a place to succeed in the red zone, specifically knowing he didn't have the athletes and the experience at the time that, that could just go make plays. You can't just throw it up to Mechie and he's just going to catch the ball because he's not there. They had freshmen playing. And if you have freshman playing, you got to, you got to go to your bag of tricks and, and, uh, and Bill O'Brien didn't do that. So if I was a Bamba fan, I'd be pissed and I'd be missing Steve Sarkeesian uh, in that role.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. But I mean, if you are Alabama and then you don't have, you don't have to rely on those kind of plays all season because you have those star wide receivers I feel like there's there's something to be said with that too. Like it's hard to just throw those you know trick plays and things like that in there when the you know you haven't established it as part of your game for the majority of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess not even necessarily trick plays, although that is they could have done that too. Yeah, but just just plays the players proving, that are more out in space and right, stuff like, like that, like putting guys in motion uh, before the play, and like I said, those mesh concepts and things like that, just to create space. Without just uh, just giving your offensive a, a, a schematic advantage, I didn't see any schematic advantages, particularly in the red zone offense for Bama. But that said, I'm I'm done I'm done giving the uh, the caveats to Alabama because now you know how it feels, Alabama fans, when uh one of your when some of your best players go out in that championship game and then you lose and then you have to spend the rest of your life saying, Oh, well, if our best players had been healthy, we would have won that championship talking to you a uh, friggin Greg McElroy uh 2009 championship game when Colt Colt McCoy gets, gets hurt in the early in the game when Texas is winning and they would have blown out Bama in that game because Texas would have got up early and then Bama would have had to throw the ball and yeah, Greg McElroy wasn't going to be throwing the ball for over 100 yards against uh, against that Texas defense, but I don't have hard feelings, so I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm I can tell. Yeah,
1: I can tell you don't have the hard feelings, um, but honestly, I don't think Alabama fans will even be phased by this because they're just like, oh, wait, was that the year that we didn't win the national championship? Oh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it's like the it's like the rare occurrence or whatever
0: you know yeah. and they're but. all coming back well, not everyone i'll be interested to see how those wide receivers get replaced next year if they get mm-hmm. some big names in the transfer. the they're both gone aren't way. they yeah they're both gone yeah williams and mechie Deanna are gone Robinson. yeah um but bryce young's back will anderson's back uh they're losing Brian Robinson. There. They're losing Rob. So they're losing their they're running their top back, running back and their top wide receivers. You know about Alabama reloads. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll be back. They'll have new athletes. Yeah. Um, they're also losing their left tackle. Who's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure they will be good again next year, but it'll be an interesting, uh, especially considering they have the best player in the country coming back with Bryce Young, but let's talk about, let's talk a little bit more about Georgia. Uh, um, what how do do you feel like the Bulldogs got this got this done Jordan um and what what do you feel like this means to their program the program who's been on the brink they've been recruiting at the same level with Bama for like seven or eight years they've just never won this game when it mattered um is this a changing of the guard potentially is this a uh is is Georgia going to become the new Alabama? Is this something to be worried about, or is Georgia going to slip back into like a lot of these guys are going to go to the NFL and Georgia's just going to be that will be obviously really good, but it's kind of like the LSU two thousand nineteen blip where LSU is amazing and then they're kind of back to who they were before.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not completely sold that this is the beginning of a new era of you know domination from Georgia. I think they're going to be still right up there with Alabama as far as recruiting, like they have been for the last you know few years. Um, but I mean, obviously this is huge because um, wasn't it like 1970 was the last time Georgia won a national championship. It is that correct? 1980. So yeah. yeah, 40 years. Um, and that's just got to be huge for, a state that loves their football. I mean, Alabama loves their football, but Georgia's right up there with them. So, yeah, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, we've kind of touched on this before, but as far as like name image, image likeness, likeness goes, you know, that's kind of a big thing for recruiting going forward. Um, so like the big market teams are going to have like a big advantage. And I think Georgia's right up there, they're, you know, such a big national brand now in the sec and everything. So, um, I don't foresee them dropping off the map. I think the interesting thing will be is, you know, thinking back on the Georgia teams in the recent past, like, there's, they just haven't been able to really attract those marquee quarterbacks. Like, the last one I can think of is probably Jake Fromm, who was, you know, pretty decent, but I wouldn't put him like in the top echelon of quarterbacks, no. you know? So, like, that's, mm. I think that's a big question to me. Can they record, can they uh, recruit some of the top quarterbacks in the country coming in? But yeah, what are your thoughts?
0: So this is really, that's what I want to talk about. Actually. It's really interesting. Uh, Two things. One, if I, if I have my information correct, I haven't looked at this recently, but I think Stetson Bennett actually has another year of eligibility and I think he's coming back. Really? So I think he's actually coming back for another year. And I also believe JT Daniels, who a lot of people were pushing for, he got injured early in the year, lost his job and people were pushing for him to come back because Stetson Bennett's like 5'10, 190 pounds. And it's not going to be an NFL quarterback. Um, but anyways, I think he's going to hit the transfer portal again, because if, if Bennett comes back, you can't bench him after he won the national championship. Uh, so my, so this is my first question is, um, if you were Stetson Bennett, maybe he wants to go to try to go to the NFL, but I, I don't know. Like, what would you come back? Or are you riding off in the sunset and saying like storybook ending I'm done? See, from my
1: perspective, I would, I would do that probably like if I knew that I didn't have any future playing in the NFL, like I wouldn't want to, you know, possibly soil my legacy. I mean, how can you top that? Like winning the national championship, under those kind of conditions against the team that beat you the year before. um, I mean, that's just gotta be the best way to go out, but I don't think that sets in Ben's mentality. If you heard him in like the post game interview after the national championship game, he thinks he is an NFL quarterback. So
0: he's not, but I I know that's good. That's good for him to think that.
1: Yeah. I mean, like if he had the speed of Kyler Murray, then we could be having that conversation. Because that's, you know, that's I think that's the big thing that sets Kyler Murray Murray apart. Because he's the same size as Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray is able to, you know, he plays a different game than Stetson Bennett. Let's just say that.
0: So I still don't think so. I think because we you saw it when for for one thing, credit to Georgia. They protected him pretty well. Mm-hmm. And someone obviously told. They, they did a good job coaching Bennett in this game for the most part, because if, if he got under pressure, he just, like the few times that he did get sacked, like he kind of, for the most part, he just kind of ate it. He just took it and laid down. But that, that one play that ended up being a fumble was an awful decision by him. And, and, and also shows a lack, just his lack of athleticism to be able to mm-hmm. not get that ball out of bounds. And he ended up fumbling that, that play which could have turned the game if he didn't make some great plays after that and then and correct it um i don't think he has the decision making skills he's a he panics under pressure and he doesn't have the arm talent of uh to make the kind of throws that you need to make in the nfl uh but i could be wrong i guess i don't know i don't think i'm wrong though i'm, I'm gonna say that i don't he's not an nfl player but great for him. It's an amazing story mm-hmm. for what he came from to be able to play for this team in the state that he, he grew up in, he loves and to win it on the biggest stage with him making plays. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't just a, I'll bring it up again, a Greg McElroy since situation where he is a national champion quarterback who literally threw four passes in the national championship game against Texas. He didn't is Mark Ingram, one national in the Alabama defense. He wasn't a token player in this game. He made big throws at big times. So good for him. Good for him. Uh, another another point for Georgia for the future is the uh, looming Arch Manning recruitment where Georgia is a major player. Right now, um, the three teams uh, recruiting experts say are in the mix right now are Georgia and Texas are the top top options and then right below that is Ole Miss in Alabama so that will be an interesting recruitment to follow Arch Manning is the number one overall recruit in the country for the 2023 class and is obviously he's a Manning so he's going to bring uh, both publicity and probably additional recruiting recruits with him whoever lands Manning is going to have a top five recruiting class um, because people want to play with him, so if he goes to Georgia, that will be very interesting to watch in the future. It'll also it also be interesting if Bennett stays. Does Georgia not go after anyone in the transfer portal? I've heard rumors that they were going to try. It. They've been in the Caleb uh, Caleb Williams stakes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That'll they'll be interesting to watch down the road. Is Caleb Williams leaving for sure? Uh, I guess not technically for sure, but pretty much for sure. Yeah. Since Lincoln Riley has gone. Yeah. He stated in his announcement that Oklahoma was still an option, but like three hours after he made that announcement, Oklahoma signed Dylan Gabriel, the UCF transfer. Um, so I think Oklahoma was, yeah, I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall and they're like, well, we're not going to get left stranding. We're just going to take somebody and." He'll be a good quarterback um, for them. He'll be good enough.
1: He'll probably what's, go to USC.
0: But... What's happening with Spencer Rattler? Spencer Rattler transferred to South Carolina. Huh. Yep. South Carolina Gamecocks. So that will be another storyline. The transfer portal, a lot of people are complaining about the transfer portal because of how it's pretty wild and crazy. But I feel like no one's talking about like, why is that a problem? That's great. I know I, I kind of like the wild exciting. and crazy. That's part of yeah. what makes like the
1: NBA and the NFL fun is all the trade rumors and everything you know that happens on like you know happens. Um, I think it's just like you know people have just come to a traditional sense of what the college football and college basketball should look like, mm-hmm. and now that it's changing, you know, people are just kind of resistant to change sometime, and I think that's the case there. But personally, I think it's really exciting. So, I mean, honestly, sometimes, you know, with the transfer portal, it has made me sad. Like seeing players like Garrison Brooks leave North Carolina. uh, Yeah, it was kind of sad, but (laughs) I mean, I guess I think he's playing for like his dad at Mississippi state or it's someone that's a part of his family, but, you know, so I guess situations like that, like that can leave the fan base feeling a little bit sour, but I think overall for the sport as a whole, I guess, and for the you know, kids. Yeah. And for the kids too, because they should have the freedom to go where they want to
0: go. The only couple things, I guess I worry about it is there's a lot of people in the portal, but I wonder how many student athletes who are not actually very good. Like they don't actually carry a very high demand hit the portal because they're upset. And then their coaches say, okay, well, we're going to replace you because you're in the portal. And then they don't get an offer from anyone
1: and they're just stranded and they get
0: stranded. I wonder what, how many students like that, that happens to, which is unfortunate for them. And then the other thing is I do think they should put a time period on these transfer portal period. Like, just like they have a recruiting period. Like they have an early signing period, December 15th and then February 3rd for football. And then by February 3rd, that's it. Like that's the deadline. And then after that, all your recruits are in. So they should probably do like have a deadline by April 30th or something like that for the transfer portal. And and also like you can't transfer during the season. So it's like January 18th to April 30th or something is the transfer portal period. I would like to see that. So they probably need some more organization, but the general movement of so many kids I think it's pretty fun. It's pretty exciting. Uh, So that'll be good to track as we enter this college football off season. All right. Well, uh, do you have any other thoughts about that? Or should we go ahead and move on to the NFL?
1: Um, No. Yeah. Let's move on to the NFL. So yeah, this is kind of um, a breakthrough for us. I don't think we've ever talked about the NFL on this podcast. Have we?
0: Uh, no, not to my the first knowledge,
1: time. which like that's mainly because Brady and I don't follow the NFL as much. We we mainly follow college football throughout, uh, throughout the season and everything. But when the college football season ends, then I'm a little bit more interested in <laughs> in watching the NFL. And there have been some really good games um, as the playoffs have started so far. So I guess, you know, just kind of going in chronological order, the first game of note that has happened that happened in wildcard weekend was the 49ers Cowboys game. I think a lot of people going into this game. I mean, the Cowboys were definitely the favorite, Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts on that game?
0: Um, There was a lot of noise from people that, that believed in the 49ers in this game. Uh, I think the Cowboys were only a three point favorite at home, which usually Vegas uh, if it's a toss-up, they just give three points to the home team. So that's usually kind of a sign that it's a fifty. They don't really know it's 50-50 and they give three points to the home team. So this was anticipated to be a close matchup, but as a, as a, I guess I could call myself a lukewarm Cowboys fan with family who are intense Cowboys fans. Uh, it was disappointing, for sure. Um, it, I just it's hard for it's hard to comprehend. How the Cowboys team has so many weapons, with Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Dak Prescott, uh, CD Lamb, Mari Cooper, uh, all these different guys that they can they can perform so poorly on offense. So they only had like seven, they had ten points with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter like it's just disappointing and Dak Prescott did not play well he just got paid a lot of money he had about just over a 50 percent completion percentage in this game Threw an interception got sacked five times 28.1 qbr like he did not play well Ezekiel Elliott who they also paid a lot of money to 12 carries 31 yards no touchdowns um cd Lamb had one catch for 21 yards. Like they just were really disappointing offensively. They didn't look like they were ready to play. The 49ers came out that first possession, drove right down the field, and kind of set the tone for the game. The Cowboys were playing behind the whole game, uh and the and the 49ers are not a team you want to play behind too, because they have a good offense flying with Trent Williams, um, and their whole offense is play action. The only time Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is any good is when he's able to, the offense is able to run the ball and he can use play action to get the ball to George Kittle and, and, uh, Depot Samuel. So it was, uh, it was, an is embarrassing. I think like they just didn't show up to play. They had 14 penalties. They couldn't move the ball. Yeah, it was, it was, it was hard to watch from the Cowboys fan perspective, but you're, you're not a Cowboys fan. You're yeah. Just watch. You're just a bystander in this game. Right. So what were your impressions watching this game?
1: Yeah. yeah. like you said, I was pretty impartial in this game, but um, I was surprised because I felt like the Cowboys had really taken a step up this year and that they were looking a lot better. And then, you know, Dak Prescott was coming off a game where he threw for five touchdowns and, you know, against the Eagles who also made the playoffs. So you think that, you know, they were, um, you know, that they would be on a good, like they would have momentum going into this game, but you know, it just, you couldn't tell from the, from the game. They just kind of looked flat. Yeah. Dak Prescott was off. He only completed like 50% of his passes. So um yeah. And I think that's just what it came down to. And, and it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo outplayed him, but the 49ers were just the better overall team. So, and it was kind of cool too, to see, because you know, the 49ers did not have a great start to their season. I think they started two and four or something in their first six games. And you know, it wasn't really looking like they were in the contention, but they they finished the season pretty strong and beat some of the, you know, top teams in the NFL, like the the Rams. And, um, yeah. And now they're moving on. So yeah, it's fun to, fun to watch.
0: Shout out to, uh, Fred Warner, uh, former BYU Cougar linebacker who is, he's one of the best linebackers in, in the NFL, um, widely regarded for his efforts, uh, So congratulations to him and only him in this game. (laughs) But I will say just historically, I was excited to watch this game because 49ers Cowboys in the playoffs is just one of the coolest. It's one of the coolest matchups in all of all of professional sports with those jerseys on the field at the same time, and those historic historic rivalries going back to, uh, uh, to the Roger Stahlbeck days, um, and some of the golden years for the Cowboys, but even in in the I don't remember what the term is, but the one of the most famous NFL plays with the uh, the tight end catch at the back of the end zone where the 49ers beat the Cowboys in the the NFC Championship um, game. I don't know if you Montana the Montana uh, game. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not familiar. I did enjoy watching them play in the playoffs even though it ended poorly. The last thing about this game is the final sequence got a lot of people um, talking. It was a very controversial ending to the game. Uh, Did you want to talk about that a little bit, Jordan? Um, Could you break it
1: down? I'm struggling to remember.
0: So the the Cowboys had the ball down by six with like like 14 seconds left and so they're they're driving down the field two minute offense they've 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 gotten the ball like 30 40 yards down the field throwing traditional kind of out routes to get out of bounds they don't have any timeouts 14 seconds left it's like first and 10 or second and 10 or something at the 40 yard line uh 45 yard line, something like that of the 49ers. So the Cowboys, and they have to score a touchdown. So the Cowboys need, um, to get in the end zone. They need to get close enough to be able to have a legitimate shot to have a Hail Mary and the 49ers call a timeout and they come out of their timeout and they have their defensive backs, like guarding the sidelines. Like there's like four guys right next to the sideline. So the middle of the field is wide open. Um, And so the Cowboys call a quarterback draw. And so Dak Prescott takes the ball. It's a draw. He runs up the middle. He runs for about 17, 18 yards and gets tackled. And the Cowboys try to get up to the line and they don't have any timeouts and they try to spike the ball and they can't spike the ball and the game just ends at like the 25-yard line. And they didn't even get a chance to go in the end zone. Um, so that was a lot of people were hating on the Cowboys for that. Uh, for good reason, because it looked like they hadn't planned that situation before. Like they were all like the deck runs down. He runs probably too far. Like they, they should be timing this out in practice where they know how many seconds do I have in order to be able to run this play. Uh, And the center after Dak got tackled, the center just took the ball and like got in stance ready to snap it. But the the referee has to come like set the ball. So the referee was running from the 50 yard line to try to get to the play. And he like ran into Dak Prescott because he was not paying attention. And then he had to like grab the ball from the center and like move it and put it down. And the center had to get it and snap it. And they ran out of time. And so instead of just getting the ball, giving it to the referee and everyone being ready to go, they all seemed discombobulated and the clock ran out and it was embarrassing. It was a proper way to end the game, considering how the game went. But um, yeah, it was a disappointing way to end the season.
1: Yeah, I could see how that could be torture as a
0: Cowboys fan. It was surprising to me because I thought it was great because I'm used to watching college football and in college football, if you get a first down, the clock stops until you set the ball. Mm-hmm. Which should be the case in the NFL. It's a, yeah, they should I, didn't, I didn't know, know that that, that
1: wasn't I didn't know that that was not the same.
0: Actually. Yeah. yeah. I, so watching it live, I wasn't even worried. I was like, oh, that was a good idea. And there was like five seconds left. And I, I saw the clock keep ticking and I was like, wait, what's going on? And then the clock ran out and I was like, what happened? So you can't blame the loss on that. The loss is the whole game being awful. But um mike mccarthy in his second year he might need to go uh jerry jones likes him so i think he's going to stick around for another season at least but uh he's had a history of clock management issues and uh his team did not look ready to play in, in a game as important as that so
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Interesting. Speaking of controversial calls, I guess another game worth mentioning in that divisional round was the Bengals versus the Raiders. And the, I don't know if you saw this game, but the controversial call in this game came when, um, you know, it was, I think it was in the third quarter, um, the Bengals to to go up a touchdown, um, that, you know, they were driving Joe Burrow through a, a touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd at the back of the end zone, but the play, there was actually a whistle like a split second before the catch was made in the end zone, because I think the ref had thought that Joe Burrow went out of bounds before the pass was um, thrown. So the, the whistle blew and it looked like everyone kind of stopped for a second and then they caught the touchdown and then it ended up standing as a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Um, And there wasn't a lot of time spent looking at the play and everything like that. So yeah, also kind of a controversial, um, aspect to that game as well but
0: the handling of that by the nfl was interesting because they if i'm remembering what happened correctly afterwards is the nfl stated in their official statement that there was no whistle that that didn't ha- basically they just straight up lied to everyone they, they just and, said there and wasn't a whistle said, when there clearly was there clearly was everyone on the field stopped and people on tv heard it and the nfl was just like nope didn't happen like that's what we're going with that's our story we're sticking to it we think you were all dumb enough to believe us apparently like we, they think we're idiots and so we're just saying there's no whistle but also on the back end these referees won't be refereeing in the playoffs anymore so yeah i don't understand they said that it was fine but, but at the also, same time the referees they, got like got banned or punished they got banned, basically for for apparently uh not addressing a whistle that didn't exist according to the nfl so that was an interesting aftermath to that but that was an interesting situation in that game um and then the the Bengals moved on to play the titans the other night in what was a really interesting game uh did you get a chance to watch that one jordan um i did catch the end of that game um and yeah,
1: I thought it was pretty interesting too, because I thought it was going to be a good matchup. It was, you know, Derek Henry came off from injury. So, you know, there was a bunch of questions about how well he was going to be able to do because he had been out for, you know, a good couple of months. Um, but yeah, it was, um, but yeah, it came down to the end. Ryan Tannehill threw an interception, like right at midfield. And that's really what, um, you know, ended the game basically for uh, and then you know the Bengals were able to to pick up the yardage that they needed for that field goal to win the game so
0: yeah, shout out to uh Deontay Foreman the former Texas Longhorn running back he had four carries for 66 yards had a big run in that game it's a former Doak Walker winner for Texas so it's good to see him uh he looks basically especially with his haircut he has the like kind of stiff dreads going on out the back the same as as Derrick Henry, uh, as Derrick Henry, so it was like having a miniature Derrick Henry when they subbed out. They just had like a mini version of him come on. I know. On. I thought
1: I thought that was funny too, but I mean, he's really a mini version of Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is he's a beast. huge. He's huge. Just looking at him, you're just like, wow, that dude is a freak.
0: Um, I but- saw a play that was fun, Like it was so funny because Derrick Henry. Uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter runs out to the right and he's like one-on-one with a with a cornerback and he goes to stiff arm him and and derrick henry has several instances of like really intense incredible stiff arms where he like just blows people into oblivion with his stiff arms and this cornerback i've never seen it before like dodged his stiff arm he like he like faked him out he like went to tackle him and as derrick henry went for the stiff arm he, he like jumped backwards and then like dove for his feet. But it, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen he the, like that. He juked
1: the stiff arm?
0: Yeah, like the defender like avoided the runner. I don't know how to describe it. It was it was funny to watch, but you could tell, you could see in his brain, oh no, I'm going to be one of those guys. And he, he made the tackle, so it was good. Good play, but it was just funny to watch. Yeah. Also, Joe Burrow is good. Like he's
1: fun to watch.
0: Yeah. With ja- uh especially Jamar with the Chase. weapons he has. Jamar Chase. He's the real deal too. Yeah, you know, they have the T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are going to be a problem for uh for a while. So this may just be the beginning for for Cincinnati. But good for them too. This is the first time they've been in the AFC championship game since like eighty eight or something like that. And it's only happened a couple times. The Bengals historically are not very good. So good for them
1: all right well um and then yeah the other so that was one of the games that we want to talk about in the divisional round of the playoffs and then the other games that have happened so far also were only won by a field goal at the end so that's the 49ers packers game and then the rams bucks so starting off with the 49ers packers game this was a real defensive battle you know final score was only 13 10 um it didn't look like it was going to be at the beginning of the game at the first possession the packers marched down the field and they Um, scored with apparently no, you know, it didn't seem like any issues, but I think the weather ended up playing a big factor into this game. Actually, you know, it was snowing pretty well, the, it was windy. So obviously that makes it harder for your passing attack, which um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers rely a little bit more heavily on. Um, And, and then kind of the interesting thing of the game is the only touchdown that the 49ers were able to score was the blocked punt that got returned for, 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 a touchdown. Otherwise they wouldn't have had a chance at that game. So yeah, special teams. And then, you know, also going back to special teams, there was also a blocked field goal um, that the 49ers were able to get on the Packers. So obviously that, that impacted the game as well, because otherwise they it would have been a time we would have been heading to overtime. So, but yeah. Um, but yeah, this will be interesting. I, I'm kind of wondering, do you think this is the end of the Rodgers? era at as a Green Bay Packer.
0: Well, I mean, there's been a lot of drama yeah. between Rodgers and the organization. So it definitely feels like he's going to leave. I think he stated after the game that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. So if that's the case, then he's, he's going to be gone. But I don't really understand what that means because weren't they the number one team in the NFC this year? They were. So it's not going to no, be not a, like rebuild a rebuild next year. But also... It's this is the same Packers team that it's been the same Packers team for like seven or eight years. It's Aaron Rodgers, decent defense and no weapons on offense. So. uh, And and Aaron Rodgers had interests elsewhere in like TV and in game, like he's been rumored to be like a game show host and things like that. So it definitely seems like uh, he would like to leave but I think he's still under contract and I don't really know. I mean, I guess the Packers could trade, could trade him and get probably quite a bit back, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that'll be an interesting situation to watch um, going in the off season.
1: Yep. I agree. And then the last game we wanted to talk about was the the Rams Buccaneers game. So a um, good quarterback matchup, Matthew Stafford going up against, you know, Tom Brady. Um, and going into this game, I think a big storyline was um, the Bucs were a little bit understaffed. It, you know, they had, I, if I remember correctly, I think they had a few people missing from their offensive line, including their center. Um, so obviously that's going to impact things. And then um, um, their running back, uh, Jones, the second I think he was also out as well. They still, they did, they were able to get Leonard Fournette back, which made a big difference, but they were still missing some key parts of their offense. And, um, I think that's, that was pretty apparent, um, throughout the game, Tom Brady did not have much time to throw the ball. And, um, the, the Rams got off to a great start. It was 20 to three at halftime and the Rams could have even extended that lead. They were knocking on the door to score another touchdown at the end of the half. But, um, then, uh, uh, what's his uh, the the running back for the Rams cam it's something uh, acres. cam cam acres that's right yeah cam acres fumbled the ball um and so they lost that scoring opportunity and then in the second half the Rams played very conservative they they scored a touchdown in the third quarter but then in the fourth quarter you know they were trying to kill the clock and I think that's really what hurt them and what, and what allowed the Bucks to come back into this game because yeah the the uh, the Rams were up twenty seven to six, and then Tom Brady was able to come back and score three more touchdowns to tie the game up twenty seven to twenty seven with um, forty seconds left to go in the game. Um, and he was helped out by the Rams. The Rams made a bunch of mistakes in this game. They had four fumbles total. Four fumbles. It was oh, that was just terrible to watch. And Cooper Cup, you know, very non characteristically fumbled the ball. He that was his first fumble of the entire season. You know kind of he's been widely regarded as the best wide receiver in the league this year and very sure-handed to sort of see that happen. And then on top of that, I think that it was the next possession after, after the Rams had just barely gotten the fumble off of Tom Brady, there was a miscue with the center where Matthew Stafford was in shotgun and Mm. the center just snapped the ball before he was ready. Mm. And they ended up fumbling the ball there too. And that was a big momentum shift in the game. So, um, Honestly, I I was glad to see the Rams still come out with this one because that would have been brutal Um, as being part of the Rams organization or being in the fan base of the Rams to to have that much of a lead and then to just blow it through all those mistakes. Yeah, that would have been really hard. But, you know, the Rams were able to come back, pull out the win, and, yeah, that was an amazing drive with 40 seconds left. Matthew Stafford threw like a 20-yard pass to Cooper Cup and then another 40-yard pass to Cooper Cup to get in field goal
0: range and seal the deal. So the so Rams can give the uh, Falcons a little tip on uh, how to finish off a game against Tom Brady when you're up 27 to three.
1: Yeah. That's how to make it look like you're going to lose the game. Like they're, they're going to blow your lead, but then actually pull it out. at the end. They just yeah. wanted a little bit more suspense. I think.
0: Yeah. So. I, I didn't even watch the game. I was planning on watching it earlier today, but when I checked my phone, it was like, I think that was the score. It was like 20, 26 or 27 to three.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I was like, well, never mind." I'm not watching this. <laughs> so, but then I checked it again right before we started the podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a close game. What happened? I know, like
1: I was watching it and I was like, this game is over, but just don't ever do that with Tom Brady. You gotta be careful because yeah, Tom true. Brady really responded. He had a great deep ball to uh, Joe, or Mike Evans, yeah, I got confused Mike between Evans. the running back, Mike yeah. Evans, and then had some big passes to Gronk at the end of the game too. And um, yeah, Tom Brady's still pretty good, but yeah, that's another question. Is this was this Tom Brady's last game as a quarterback in the NFL?
0: I mean, I wouldn't really know why. Like at this point, I mean, he just threw. How did he throw for today? He had he threw for he threw fifty four passes. Completed thirty, had three hundred twenty nine yards and touchdown, which isn't like amazing, but like he can still do that. Mm-hmm. And they were a playoff team, potential Super Bowl team this year. Uh, they had some Antonio Brown nonsense, which really hurt them because he was a weapon for them in that yeah. offense. Um, yeah. And then Leonard Fournette got hurt earlier, so maybe their seating would have been a little better if they had a couple injuries went their way. But there's no reason to think that he can't be a good quarterback if he wants to be and if he's played this year I don't really see why he wouldn't play again next year if I were him I would just suit like I'd be done like go enjoy your life dude I know but like from what I've seen from him I don't know why he wouldn't keep playing I think the reason why he wouldn't keep playing is if he was kind of tired
1: and you know just ready to be done but I don't feel like that's the indications that we've got from him so far. It feels like he's still happy, you know, being an NFL quarterback. And um, I, he has been quoted before saying that he, he would like to finish things out on like a super bowl, which like, yeah. I don't, you know, you, you don't have that much control over it, but um, well, I, I mean, you do have control over it, but I guess it's hard <laughs> to say, like, I'm going to keep playing till I get a Super Bowl. Cause he might be 50 or something. Um, yeah but um so i think he probably will return again next year and um especially where he's still been playing at a pretty high level it doesn't seem like he's declined much um if at all so um so yeah that um so lots to look forward to we still um have to look forward to your your chiefs with uh, patrick yep. mahomes mm-hmm. your buddy patrick mahomes i don't know have we actually ever talked about on the that on the podcast how your high school friends with uh patrick mahomes
0: I don't know. I don't know if you've mentioned we haven't talked about the NFL. So probably I know, not. so probably not. Really. So yeah. But yeah, grew up with Patrick. Uh played playing basketball with Patrick since they were like six years old, little dribblers going to basketball camps. And then uh we played high school basketball together. Uh graduated the same year. So it's awesome. It's amazing to see him do so well and um proud to see how good of a representative he is i think for the city people really love him he doesn't really get into any trouble um so and he's just amazing he's amazing talent to watch right now they're they're playing as we speak right now against the bills end of the third quarter the chiefs are up 23 to 21 um with the ball so um that seems to have been a pretty good game so far kind of back and forth between josh allen and patrick mahomes and they both are see if it's still true yeah they are josh allen and patrick Mahomes are both leading uh in passing yards and rushing yards for their team <laughs> for wow so, team. They're doing, so they're doing everything. they're doing everything yeah they're doing everything
1: yeah i think really what i'm hoping for now is uh a chiefs rams matchup in the super bowl i think that would be so fun to watch with yeah. both of those offenses just electric you know you got players like some of the best wide receivers in the league in Tyreek Hill and Cooper cup, um, along with, you know, Travis Kelsey, also a, a great target as well. And then, you know, two great quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Matthew Stafford. I think that would be, that would be fun to watch.
0: Yeah. I I thought going into the season, the Rams were my, were my pick to win the super bowl. I thought adding Matthew Stafford with the talent they already had. I thought they would be really good, but since I want the chiefs to win, uh, I want the 49ers to win. I want it to be 49ers chiefs because the chiefs will win that game. A hundred percent book it. But if the 49ers play the Rams, we saw last year, the offensive line for Kansas city is not that great. Uh, and
1: and I the defensive line
0: for the Rams is Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want, it'd be fun. I agree. That would be the most fun matchup. But since I want the chiefs to win at this point, I don't want to see that happen. So, well,
1: and I think the chiefs offensive line is better this year than last year. Isn't it?
0: I mean, they haven't been exposed to the point that they were last year, but I don't, I I could be totally wrong about this. I don't, like I say, we don't keep us up as much with the NFL, but I don't know if they've made that many upgrades at the position. Hmm. Um, okay so yeah i know patrick has been he's he's had to change his game a little bit because of how defenses have adjusted to him he's been having to check down a lot more than he would prefer to um he was throwing a lot of interceptions in the middle of the season uh because they were teams were just putting two deep safeties back on every play and just saying you're not beating us deep with Tyreek hill uh and travis kelsey um but he's he is he hasn't been forcing those plays the past few weeks. He's been very efficient, um, so he's made those adjustments. So um, maybe that and maybe that would help if they played a team like the Rams with that defensive line, to where he wasn't feeling like he had to wait for the deep shot for the kill shot on every play, and he'd be he'd be a little more comfortable taking those checkdowns um, to alleviate the pressure of the offensive line for having to block for too long for those for Tyreek Hill to get downfield. So that will be interesting to see, but they got to get by the bills first and bills have been excellent. They played one Mm -hmm. of the best games literally ever in their wild card matchup. Um, uh, Against the Patriots against the Patriots where Mm -hmm. what was the stat for that game? They scored seven touchdowns and like never punted the ball or something like that. no,
1: Yeah, I don't know those sets specifically, but yeah, Josh Allen threw for five touchdowns and then they rushed for another two touchdowns. So yeah, seven touchdowns total. And yeah, it doesn't, I can't see any drives where they had to even punt the ball. All of them were touchdowns basically.
0: Yeah.
1: It's hard to win. Uh, Yeah. The only possession that didn't end in the touchdown was when they ended the first half. (laughs) <laughs> which i think they just took a knee at the end of the first half so yeah uh yeah rough game for the patriots but yeah but yeah that was just domination from from the bill standpoint and yeah josh allen is
0: good yeah he's good he's a dude he's progressed a lot further than i think a lot of people thought he would be he's very interesting as a prospect coming into the nfl because i don't know if i've ever seen someone i don't know if it's just because he's white or what but like i've never seen someone just become an amazing athlete that no one like knew was an amazing athlete like he went through the combine and the draft and all this stuff and everyone knew he had a cannon for an arm coming out of wyoming but then he just started running for 100 yards and like being this really fast physical athlete and everyone was just like confused like they no one under didn't know it I was like, how is that something that was like talked about? How do we, why was Wyoming? What are you doing, Wyoming? Why would you see a pocket passer when you're losing to BYU in the Las Vegas Bowl? If he's that athletic. That was the, that was a secret weapon. You
1: know, he's, he's was. trying to keep it on the down low the whole time and then that's,
0: just bring it out yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. But now he can throw the ball too he's he's become a lot more accurate which is rare normally quarterbacks honestly if you're not like i feel like accuracy is kind of an innate thing you can get better at it but like like if you're erratic there's not there's not very many cases of people who were erratic and then became really accurate what are you what are you smiling about (laughs) nothing nothing (laughs) I,
1: for a minute, I thought you were saying erotic. but <laughs> I just got the words Let's kind see, of. See, that's what I the, thought. I thought that's what you're smiling was about that
0: you... I was like, did he
1: just say that? But then I was like, oh, yeah, that's the wrong word that I'm thinking. I mean, of, maybe so. he's that
0: too. I don't know.
1: <laughs> maybe he's erotic as
0: well. But that's not that's what that, I was talking about. That's why about. it's
1: so hard to tackle him. Anyways, <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Not go into whatever that means. <laughs>
1: like, I, i'm sorry i could not i cannot keep that together but i um on that note i think that wraps up our discussion on the nfl it'll be good to see you know in going into the nfc afc championship games and then into the super bowl how things play out um so moving on to the next topic that we wanted to talk about we also just wanted to discuss briefly on um college basketball so conference play has been under underway for the past couple of weeks now. So now we've gotten kind of a better indication of all these top teams, how they're, you know, we have a better, um, standard now for like where they're actually at. Cause they are not playing all the cupcakes that they were, you know, at the beginning of the season, in particular, the teams in the big 12 and the big 10, as they've had to, you know, I feel like basically every night in, in those conferences is playing a, a team that could make a deep run in the uh, NCAA tournament. So it's kind of crazy, but um, so the way that we want to tackle this is to talk about uh, which teams we think at this point in the season um, we think will make the final four. So which ones are the most likely to make a deep run in the tournament. So, um, so do you want to start with your picks, Brady? And uh, you can talk about why you made those
0: choices. Um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like mine are, are not that exciting. They're kind of mostly chalk right now, um, but uh, the teams, oh, sorry, I'm having some computer issues here. Let me pull them up. Um, so Gonzaga is one of the teams. I think they're just one of the most talented teams that I think is just going to be a really hard team to deal with, with their size and athleticism Uh, throughout throughout the lineup, but especially there um, with Drew Timmy and uh, and Holmgren, Holmgren cleaning up the glass. That's going to be a tough team for, for anyone to beat um, is Gonzaga. Auburn, Auburn has, has proven thus far to be a legit contender. Like I've mentioned in the previous podcast, they have one of the top NBA prospects on their team that's averaging about 15 points a game. So Auburn has been really impressive in the SEC. Um, and then i I feel like it's kind of a toss up between Baylor and Kansas. Um, I don't know which team is better at this point. They're both. I feel like Kansas is a little better than last year, but Baylor's a little worse than last year. Baylor is excellent defensively, but they don't have quite the offensive efficiency that they had last year. They don't have they don't have Butler and uh, and uh, Who's the other guy that got drafted high in the NBA draft? Um, uh, Mitchell. David Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, they, didn't have, they don't have a Mitchell and a Butler to bail him out. A Nico, I think, is their guard, who's one of their top scorers. So he's been pretty good, but he's not quite the scorer. Uh, he doesn't have quite the physical traits that those guys have. He's smaller. And so if he if he's, uh, has an off-shooting night, he doesn't have quite as many alternatives. For scoring the ball but despite that Baylor is experienced they're well coached they play great defense and there's and in a year that I think there's not a there's not one team that's dominant um I would expect Baylor to be a strong contender for the final four again and the other team that I think is is really good watching them play is LSU uh Uh, they have the transfer from Missouri that I mentioned, um, Pinson, who's injured right now. So they've lost a couple of games with him out. But uh, with him in the lineup, I think they've only lost one game. Maybe maybe not even that, uh, if they're fully healthy. And they're another team that's excellent defensively. So LSU is a team... I think is going to be really good. And like I said, Kansas has a lot of weapons. David McCormick started playing better recently. He had kind of, he kind of had a rough start to the season, but he's been playing better these past few weeks. Uh, and then they have Remy Martin and uh, is it a gobo? Uh, Abaji. Abaji Yeah. I'm thinking of a gobo. Oh, that a gobo is a future Texas Longhorn offensive lineman. That's what I'm thinking. That's not his name, but Abaji is really good too. So they have several weapons um, as well. And obviously Bill Self is an all-time great coach. So can't watch out for Kansas. Those are some of my top teams. Uh, and maybe a team that's kind of flying under the radar as well that no one's really discussing um, that could make a deep run is Texas Tech. Uh, they've had some good top wins these past couple weeks i mean they beat um, baylor they so beat baylor well, yeah uh, at yeah. baylor mm-hmm. i believe right yeah so texas tech has been really good they have uh, o'banner from oral roberts who who was excellent in the NCAA tournament last year with a couple big upsets with oral roberts if you remember the the 6-8 post who can stroke it from outside He's at Texas Tech, and they have a couple of guards who are very athletic and uh, play very good defense. Um, So Texas Tech could be a a team to watch out for down the road.
1: I want to add that um, that win against Baylor, Texas Tech was still playing without arguably their best player in Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, I'm actually not sure on his status, because he's been out for a while. I can't remember the injury that he has, but um, if he comes back, um, and is able to fit back into that roster. I think, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be a really dangerous team come tournament time. So,
0: yeah. What about you, Jordan? What are your, I think you're maybe a little more plugged in than me with the college basketball season so far. What are your thoughts on, on who you think are the preliminary final four contenders, legitimate contenders this year? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel super confident about these
1: because there are still a few teams that I have not been able to see. Uh, in particular the Pac 12 teams. I struggle to want to watch the Pac twelve as much. So that's I don't harder think for you me. need to.
0: But like I don't think you need to.
1: I know. Arizona's ranked third. And then UCLA
0: made the final four last year and returned a lot of their, you know, same players. So UCLA is an option. I haven't seen Arizona either. They're a top rated team. They've only one loss right now, but I USC was a top team a couple weeks ago, and they got beat by Oregon twice, who Oregon's not that good. Um, and also the Pacto's playing in empty gyms. So yeah. I don't know how that's going to translate when it gets to March Madness as well. So, yeah, I'm not ai am not a I'm not a Pac-12 buyer right now, but sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. Go ahead. Anyways,
1: terms. I just wanted to preface that, but um, the teams that I have chosen are um, Gonzaga, still um i think in particular like we kind of knew going in that um the post presence was going to be um phenomenal at gonzaga with drew timmy and chet holmgren but the guard play with gonzaga this year has also been phenomenal phenomenal um so (laughs) (laughs) i'm just making up new words now um yeah andrew nemhard and then julian strother as of late yep. has been playing phenomenal. I think, man, I just really love phenomenal today, I guess. Everyone's phenomenal. Phenomenal-, Gonzaga. <laughs> phenomenal.
0: phenomenal that you're going with.
1: But I think in particular, that game against BYU that Gonzaga played, I think oh my Julian Stra had like six threes or something. And it might have been and he might have had five threes in the first half. Yeah,
0: it was crazy. Yep. I mean, they were all wide open. Yeah. So so there, there's that. That helps, but
1: yeah. Anyways, yeah. Well, I definitely want to talk about that game, but we'll save that for a later date. We're going to spend more time talking about BYU basketball and everything, but um, so yeah, Gonzaga's still up there for me. I have Auburn up there as well. Um, watching them, they they were able to beat Alabama, another top team in the SEC, and really without Walker Kessler there, um, you know, another key player who plays center for them. He was in foul trouble for most of the game, so he didn't play a lot of time, but yeah, Jabari Smith he really impressed me yeah. he looks really good yeah and then the other key role players in Auburn um seem to be playing pretty well um, on top of that um so and then it is hard for me uh, with Baylor dropping you know a couple games to to Texas Tech and then I'm trying to remember do you remember who they dropped their other game to it didn't seem like it was a super great team um here, let me, let me look at it real quick. Remember. Oklahoma State. Yeah. They lost to Oklahoma State by seven, which... That's a bad you know, loss. That's a bad loss. I mean, Oklahoma State's still up there um, with um, Caleb Boone and everything.
0: They're still pretty good, but... They're okay. They, if they were in a different yeah. conference, they would be... I they think, would be a lot better. Differently, but mm-hmm. they're one of the bottom dwellers of the Big mm-hmm. 12. Yeah. So
1: that's a bad loss as well. And I think the big thing for me is... Yeah, this Baylor team, like they're still great on defense, but they just don't seem to have the offensive firepower. I thought Matthew Mayer was going to be that offensive firepower for them this year, yeah. but he has not looked good. Other than no. one game, a couple of games ago, he had a 20-point game where he, he looked pretty good. But other than that, it seems like most of their points come off of forcing turnovers and getting out in transition. So if they're not able yep. to do that, I I can see them falling to a lot of teams. And And it was amazing for me to see in the Texas Tech game, I feel like Texas tech out Baylor Baylor, yep. like they were able to be the, you know, the strong defensive team that was able to make them force them to make turnovers and then get out and transition and score in, in that way. So um, yeah, I have less confidence in Baylor now. So I would lean towards Kansas as a team coming out of uh, the big 12, that would be able to make that kind of a run because they've been playing really good as of late. Ochai Adbaji has been averaging um, over 20 points a game. Uh, as you mentioned, Derek McCormack has been a little bit shaky, but has been playing better, better as of late. And um, I mentioned earlier in the season, Jalen Wilson, I think is a big access factor for them. And he has also been playing better. On top of that, Christian Brown, it, um, in years past, he's been kind of tentative, I feel like, at times with the ball. And like he's always shown promise as being a good player, but he hasn't really stepped up. But uh, the other night, he hit a game winner against Oklahoma um three-pointer that you know so uh, sealed the game for him and um he's playing with a tremendous amount of confidence right now so that's why i would lean a little bit more towards kansas being able to make that kind of a run in the tournament and then uh the last team for me is uh, i'm going to give it to wisconsin actually it was a, this was a toss-up for me because it was hard for me to kind of think who out of the big 10 probably has the best chance of getting there and we've, we've talked a lot about purdue earlier in the season um I could still see them making a deep run in, in the tournament, but they just seemed a little bit shaky to me. Um, I think Johnny Davis is one of the best overall players in yeah. the college basketball this year. So I think with him and the other role players playing better, um, a concern that I had about Wisconsin before was their post play. Um, but Tyler wall in particular has really stepped up and he's been playing great um, as, as, as a kind of post present post presence for, for Wisconsin. And then still having Brad Davison there as a veteran presence um, and a really good shooter as well, I think kind of gives Wisconsin a bit of an edge. So those those are my picks at this point.
0: Wisconsin is definitely interesting. I, when we talked about the Big Ten on our last podcast, Wisconsin and Purdue were the two teams that I thought mm-hmm. had the best chance to win that conference. Um, in, large, in large part to Johnny Davis because he is excellent. He's very fun to watch. Uh, scores on all three levels. My only concern is... That who did the, Wisconsin just lost recently? Uh, I can't remember who that was. Too is it Illinois? Someone like that? They lost and and in that game, Johnny Davis went for like three for fourteen or something like he had a bad day. Yeah, it uh, was Michi- Michigan State. Michigan State. Okay, so that's a good team. Mm-hmm. It's not that's not a bad loss or anything, but Michigan State took away Johnny Davis, and if you take away Johnny Davis, it was Wisconsin's not going to beat you if you're decent. So that's my only concern with them is they obviously, if he plays well and he gets hot around tournament time, they 100% could could make the Final Four. But if if he gets, if he faces a team that has a good game plan and shuts him down, I don't know if Wisconsin uh, in, in tournament play have the kind of guys who can, can make up for that gap. That is a good point, because
1: the success of Wisconsin definitely does hinge on Johnny Davis. Um, however, I feel like, um, you know, as... I think Johnny Davis just needs to get more used to defenses keying in on him so much more, um, because he has such a versatile game. He's not a one-dimensional player at all. He can, you know, he can post people up. He can hit shots from the outside. He can drive to the rim. He can be a playmaker and make plays for his teammates. So I think if he's able to get to the point where he um, is able to really analyze in the game how the defense is playing him and make adjustments from from that um, point. Um, I think, you know, Wisconsin can still have um, the kind of success that they've been able to see so far. But again, yeah, that is it is all contingent on on Johnny Davis and his play. If he has a bad game, um, I can definitely see Wisconsin losing and even the first or second round. So
0: Kansas is another interesting team that you you brought up because they've been really streaky. Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned uh, the player who had a game winner against Oklahoma, who is kind of an X factor. But they had to have a game winner against Oklahoma. Who Oklahoma is a good team, they're a good solid team. Uh, They're kind of middle of the pack Big Twelve team. They Mm -hmm. had to overcome a 17 point deficit to beat Kansas State, who's probably the worst team in the Big Twelve. So I'm just a little there. They haven't played up to their potential. But if you look at their roster, if I don't know if Gonzaga is probably the only team in the country that can put up a better four players then McCormick, Abaji, Remy Martin and Wilson. Like that's a pretty that's yeah. a pretty hefty starting lineup right there that I feel like should be playing better and they are playing they're a top 5 team. It's not like they're uh are not playing poorly but they're not as dominant as I feel like they should be on paper. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I don't, well, I think the biggest one for me is, uh, I think you touched on this before, but Remy Martin, um, you know, I think people thought he was going to be a lot better than he has been, and he's, he's, he's got a lot of talent, and I think he's going to be the key for them. If he's able to step up and play more to what we kind of expected from him going into the season, I think Kansas is going to be really hard to stop, but he still hasn't looked that great. And I think, if I remember right, I think he was struggling with an injury yes. over the last couple yeah. of weeks. so he has. So, but yeah, if he's able to get on a roll come tournament time, that's going to make Kansas that much harder to stop. So yeah, that'll be interesting. And then kind of to go to my, uh, underrated team, uh, so far this season or a team that's kind of flying under the radar. Um, I mean, I feel like they're still kind of on everyone's radar, but, um, it's Illinois for me. Hmm. Um, and the reason being is, you know, they've kind of been streaky throughout the season, but. Um, like they, they did lose to Arizona, which I kind of, I don't know. It's so hard. Cause I don't know if that's a bad loss or yet, not, or, 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 not yet. Cause Arizona hasn't played a lot of other top teams. Um, I think you
0: could say it's not a bad loss.
1: Yeah. Right. It's like, not a bad loss. Yeah. Cause they're still a top team, but, uh, for much of the season, they've been playing without Andre Corbello Curbe- and he's just come back. Uh, hmm. he was, you know, he was the, uh, point guard that was kind of playing behind, I would assume, last year. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's, he's super fun to watch. And, um, again, uh, against Purdue this last week, he had a great game. I think he scored like over 20 points and he hit a a few key clutch shots to send the game into overtime. They did end up losing that game, but, um, I feel like between, you know, Andre Cabello, uh, Trent Frazier is another great shooter. They have the, um, Alfonso Plummer, the transfer from Utah. Who's, Oh yeah. He's
0: shooting like 50% from three about, Um, I forgot he transferred there. He was really good at Utah.
1: Yeah. And he's been still playing pretty well at Illinois. I think he's leading uh, the big 10 in three point uh, makes and percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've got him and then Kofi Coburn, the big dude in the middle. He's a beast and he's been even more dominant this year. He's been averaging, I think he's almost been averaging a double, double, um, and he, I mean, he struggled a little bit against Purdue with the, the big guys that they have and Zach Eady and Travion Williamson, um, but everyone else, he's a handful to be able to handle. So um, I think if they can get hot, you know, towards the end of the season, they could also make a deep run in the tournament, even though they might not be as highly ranked uh, mm-hmm. going in.
0: That's a good team. I hadn't really considered them, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's a good, that's a good under the radar team to watch. I think.
1: Yep. Okay. Well,
0: yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss with uh, college basketball that we missed? I don't think so. Just excited. It's about the midway point in the season. So we're starting to see who's who. Um, I just, uh, and yeah, I, I'm just excited to see conference play conference play, especially when the NFL wraps up which will end up in a wrap up in a couple of weeks. Then it's really college basketball season through March madness. So um, there'll just be a couple more weeks left of football and we're going to be diving in more, even more deeply into college basketball. And then our next, our next episode that will probably come out about next week, uh, we're going to delve more into the BYU Cougars and their um, pretty successful season they've had so far, but that's about it.
1: All right. So we just wanted to conclude this episode by doing our hypothetical Sunday segment. So uh, Brady and I are really excited about this. We got some good questions today. So uh, hopefully um, hopefully it'll be entertaining for everyone. So uh, are you ready, Brady? Are you ready for your questions? I'm ready. Okay. So um, first question, um, if you were to be a transformer, what vehicle would you change into and why? Okay.
0: So this is a... Uh, the first decision you have to make in this scenario is which type of vehicle because there is mm-hmm. uh obviously cars and trucks which are predominantly dis- uh, um, predominantly um uh what are they called uh autobots yep right but That's not entirely one. because there are there are a couple planes and like trains and they have like dinosaurs the that are that are Autobots as well, so it's not entirely, but predominantly Autobots if you go in a car, and then you have planes, which are predominantly Decepticons, but I can have a little. There's there's a mix, right? Or you could do like spaceships, because there's a there's a a rocket ship, uh, Autobot. So my decision is, if it was me, I would want to be a plane. Because I could drive a car myself and that would be fun. And I like driving my car and being a car would maybe take some of the fun out of it. Cause it'd just be like running and I don't like running. So, but if I was a plane, then I could get, I could just transform into a plane and take off and get anywhere I wanted to really quickly. And I could also like bomb people from orbit if I like needed to, which is awesome so my your plane can go into orbit uh well maybe not well orbit (laughs) is a uh orbit is a relative okay okay so it's not like in space or something yeah not necessarily but uh a i i have a haven't decided between two options i'm probably going to go with the first one though is the b2 spirit stealth bomber which is that cool bomber that's like very angular it has uh I don't know how to describe it. It's has like, it's like a triangle except for the, the flat part of the triangle is like has cuts in it. And so if you do like flyovers for a game, there's that cool triangular bomber. And then it has like the planes that flank it on the edges, but the bomber is really cool. Cause it can like, uh, it's like, has like stealth capabilities and stuff and it looks awesome. And it like can carry nuclear bombs. So like, if you like everyone would just be scared of you constantly because you could just drop bombs on them. So that would be an option. My other option was an F-35, which is basically just a fighter jet that's like really fast, has like cool targeting systems. And it also has a vertical takeoff. So I don't have to like have a runway or anything. I guess that doesn't really work with transformers because they kind of just like run and turn into a jet and then they fly off. But yeah i would be a that i'd be one of those probably the b2 spirit as a plane okay nice
1: yeah i think we were we were thinking along the same lines for this one because um i also picked a vehicle that could fly but i chose an apache helicopter okay number one i mean part of it is versatility like you can take off anywhere which I guess, like, Transformers usually can just take off anywhere regardless. Yeah. Because it's kind of, I mean, it's not really reality. But also, I feel like helicopters are a little bit more maneuverable. So you could go into, like, tighter spaces and stuff like that. They're really slow. And they are slower. But I don't think I need to go super fast. I mean, I'd still go, like, decently fast. But also, on top of that, I feel like the helicopter blades would make, like, really cool swords or whatever. When... <laughs> when i'm in the other okay. transformer form or whatever okay yeah um, yeah so that would be pretty uh pretty awesome um but i didn't consider i didn't even think about that the helicopter would probably be a decepticon and i don't think i want to be a decepticon so if i can be an autobot helicopter then that's good and i'll i'll, I'll stick with that so okay but yeah that's mine okay um next question um if you were to build a house out of a food item, which item would it be?
0: Okay, so I've I've I i have i do not know if I have a good answer. The hardest part of this answer is that I was trying to think of foods that don't like change very much according to the temperature variations. So I was thinking of like hard candies or something like that as like an outside exterior, but the problem with that is they're sticky. So like if stuff like flies, like leaves and stuff get like stuck to your house and that's gross. But also if it gets really hot, it probably would melt and that would suck. So the obvious answer is just gingerbread, right? Like there's a reason we make gingerbread houses out of food because it's a good, it's a good structure uh, that is moist enough to where if it's muggy, it doesn't change its composition very much. And if it's cold, then it just gets hard, which is fine because it's just the outside. So I'm thinking that it's it's thick enough to be able to have some natural insulation. So a gingerbread house obviously is a good situation. I would reinforce it on the inside with Rice Krispie treats um, and have cotton candy as the insulation, obviously. But if you see a lot of people who do like decorate like weird cakes that are they like look crazy and they like uh, are like like a tower or they like look like they're defying gravity in some way, they use a lot of Rice Krispie treats for those because you can like put steaks in them, put like sticks in the Rice Krispie treat and it will hold its form. So I'm thinking a Rice Krispie treat would be a good support for the gingerbread and then you have the cotton candy to like fill the gaps for the insulation. Uh, and you can use like molasses as a sealant, uh, as opposed to frosting. Cause I feel like molasses would be better, like frosting would like melt when it gets hot and then it would ooze and everything would fall out, fall apart. But I feel like molasses would be a little more consistent to temperature changes. So yeah, that's, that's my, uh, that's my house. house wow. Thoughts. That was very well thought out. Um,
1: no wonder it took you so long to come up with that. But yeah, no, I I yeah, I can see that, that working out pretty well. I do feel like that was a bit of a cop-out answer using gingerbread, because I mean obviously that comes to mind with gingerbread houses.
0: Well, but... I mean it's the right answer. So yeah. Okay. Well, what would you what house would you have made yours out of then?
1: Okay. So what I'm making my house out of, which we're probably gonna laugh at me because it's probably not as practical, but cosmic brownies. I feel like they would actually work pretty well, too, because they're relatively rigid. They're actually kind of in a brick shape. So I think you could kind of like, stack them on top of each other. That's a good idea. So, yeah. And also, they're like, they're also not like super susceptible to temperature changes. Like uh, they probably are. So like if you got really hot, but I think even like on a 100 degree day, I don't think they would change too much, honestly, because they're like. I don't know. They're kind of tough. They're kind of I don't know what cosmic brownies are made out of, but it's not just like regular chocolate or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's mostly so, preservative like yeah. goo, I think, that they bake. Yeah. That's a good answer though. So, I, I think like cosmic that, brownies
1: and then you could like cement them together with like peanut butter or something.
0: What about the icing on the brownies though? How are you going to handle that situation?
1: Yeah, I so maybe I'd have to take the icing off.
0: To scrape it off.
1: I don't know. but yeah. then are
0: they really cosmic brownies? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like, like all like the, the changes icing, that you're it's like all the, the icing changes and the the, uh, the the colored like round sprinkle things that's what make them cosmic brownies.
1: So what are they what are they if you
0: take that away? It's just I don't I don't know. A blasphemy. Uh something like that. Useless something to be thrown in the trash yeah anyways
1: yeah that was that's okay. what i chose and then that's a good answer yeah actually i th- I feel like maybe yeah maybe like something like molasses i don't know peanut butter would probably not be the best thing to cement uh-huh. them together um there's probably a, a better material for that but something mm-hmm. that would like kind of glue them together so i could like stack them on top of each other like bricks i think that okay. would work well so Okay, um, next question on our list. Um, if you could switch the sounds that two animals make with each other, which animals would you pick and why? And um, so, just to kind of clarify this question, so this would be like if you were to switch the sounds that a dog and a cat would make. So, a cat would make like a barking sound, and then a the dog would make like a meowing sound. Um,
0: but yeah, which animals would you choose? Um, well, my two animals are, my my choice is not, I don't know if this is a, a fun answer necessarily, but it is a practical answer that would make my life better. And uh, so I would trade the sound of a grackle with the sound of a tiger shark.
1: OK, and we're actually going to try to pull up the sounds now. So first, let's hear what a grackle sounds like, So because it, it I, I'm assuming most people aren't familiar with grackles. I was not before this uh, took place. So um, here we go. This is a grackle. Okay, so that's the grackle sample. Um, what What do you have to say about uh, the grackle sound, Brady?
0: So I have to just I need to give you some some background to supplement that sound. So grackles are, all over Dallas, the Dallas area in particular, but you see them in Texas and especially in the cities, their sound they make because there are so many is really annoying and really loud. So if I trade them out with the sound of a shark, do you have a shark sound, Jordan? Do you have a tiger shark sound (laughs) to share with the audience?
1: (laughs) Yeah, here it is. That is the shark attack sound, apparently.
0: Um, oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. So, the reason I'm doing this is greckles are annoying and I hate them. So, there's, I'm sending their sound in the ocean where I am not. And so, I never have to hear them again. But sharks, they don't make any, they don't make really any sounds. So, I just make my life better and everyone else's life better.
1: That's interesting. I, I'm still kind of upset because I feel like that's a cop-out answer since sharks don't really make a sound, but I'll give it to you. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting because I feel like you took the opposite approach to me in, in this animal sound uh, c- scenario because I took a sound that I thought was cool and, and gave it to an animal that I do come in contact with my everyday mm. life so, um, so that I could hear it more. So my two animals are an elk and a squirrel because squirrels are kind of everywhere for me. Like, I see them every day as I walk the campus. They're kind of annoying. Um, I mean, they not... don't make sounds, really. Yeah, they do. They make little, little chattery oh, sounds. Little chatter- I have the, sounds. I have the sound effect. I'll play it for you. Okay. Um, but first, let's hear the sound of an elk to hear how cool that is. So here's an elk mule. Oh. So, yeah, I just think that's such a cool sound. I have no idea how they make that sound. It's crazy. How often,
0: how often do they make that sound? I think this is important.
1: So, um, it's not as often. I mean, well, first of all, you have to be around elk to hear this. And, like, you know, elk are not as common as like deer, first, you know, for right. example, like you'd probably come across a deer a lot more um, than elk. And then um, elk call a lot more in the mating season, which is around like September, October um that's really when they start to talk a lot more so it is a little little bit more rare that you can hear that kind of the sound um so that's why i think it'd be awesome to have it more kind of more normal like you could hear a lot more just in the city also i think but there's so many squirrels though. i know so that might be kind of crazy and it might be too loud it's loud Yeah. yeah it is pretty loud but um I also think it would be hilarious to hear that kind of sound coming out of like a small animal, like a squirrel. Can you imagine that? Because like when you're close to an elk and you hear that sound, it's like overpowering, like it's so loud. And you're just like, wow, that is a beast of an animal Um, that has to come out of a squirrel. I think I would lose it. Um, But yeah, let's hear Let's hear the squirrel sound so that we can kind of compare.
0: okay that's yeah, it's made up whatever that so is. that's like a squirrel chatters
1: have you have you never heard a squirrel they make that little chattering noise
0: yeah, i thought it's sure not like super calm i thought for sure you were gonna play like a sandy cheeks clip from spongebob <laughs> that would have oh been really funny that would have been great
1: um no no did not do that um okay. but um the unfortunate thing here would be like it would be sad to have the elk make a squirrel sound that would be kind of like disappointing yeah but yeah. yeah so i wish i could still keep the elk as the elk sound but then the, the squirrels also get the elk sound
0: well that's um, the thing so that's what makes this game hard is i hard. know when, it's I picked, hard. when i picked grackle and shark my original thought was like a draft because drafts like don't make any noises hardly so that would be a good one except for that drafts would then be really annoying and i like drafts so i didn't want to ruin the draft, but so I had to pick an animal that I wouldn't usually hear or come in contact with. Oh, because you come in
1: contact with giraffes a lot?
0: Yeah, every time you go to the zoo, that's one of the coolest animals to see. You don't, like, hear sharks at the zoo. Uh, Anyways, I have a a problem, though, with your squirrel elk situation because the elk sound, you did, like, that is a really cool sound that it'd be cool to hear more of, except for I think you would just have... um, Have put squ- like you would have sentenced the squirrel population in the United States to near extinction because squirrels <laughs> are they are rats with a good PR agent they're fluffy rats basically so because they're fluffy we accept them and like them and they're fine if they were really friggin' annoying and loud and there's so many of them they would get shot and eradicated uh into a much higher degree I don't think anyone like eradicates squirrels except for like maybe people in the country use their BB guns and they take out some squirrels for fun or something but like people would hate squirrels if they were that loud
1: yeah no I understand that and I was kind of struggling because I was trying to think I mean my main thing is I just wanted to come up with an animal that I would come in contact with that would make the elk sound so do you have any ideas like what would be another animal that I could choose that's like maybe uh you know they're not everywhere so like they're a little bit less frequent but they're frequent enough to where I would still hear them on a somewhat regular basis.
0: What if you just made the? What if like all deer made the sound? Is that take away somehow because they're they're deer? But that's.
1: But deer and elk are kind of like closely related. Yeah, that,
0: I feel like that's. Okay.
1: I don't know, but that, that's actually like, like a, a decent one because you do see a fox. I did think about fox, but then I felt like that was kind of a cop out answer because like. Foxes don't really make much of a sound either. I mean, I think they do. I think they do. Actually, wait, what what does the fox say? I'm sorry. I, I couldn't resist. But yeah, like, yeah, going back to that YouTube video. Death I think he says Jordan. I think he says I'm not ring, lying ding. In my ding, intro. ding, ding yeah, oh my so gosh. that's what that's what an elk would have to say. That's so bad. I don't want an elk to have to say that. <laughs> i'm sorry i was trying so hard but i couldn't i couldn't pass that um
0: pass that up thank you for the proof Um, that my uh intro to our show is not made up that that is that is your sense of humor yeah
1: people had probably been doubting up to that point like oh does he really say dad jokes yeah i guess i do
0: it's not just that Um, you don't say them you can't help it (laughs) i I really can't i really can't
1: it's my weakness i admit um But also, I feel like foxes aren't that as common either. Also, real quick segue, I love foxes. I think they're so cool. It, they are my self-proclaimed spirit animal. Um, they just feel like you don't really like dogs much though. I know I like dogs. Like I'm not just like I'm not a huge dog person. I also don't think I want to have like I don't want to have a fox as a pet. Hmm. You know, I and I and I don't really like. I would have a dog as a pet, but I. I'm not like super big in the it. way, like it'd be fine, whatever. But foxes are just like so mysterious. Like I've seen them out in nature a few times. Like it's not super common, right? Like it's kind of more of a rare occurrence. And whenever I do, like I feel like I just had a spiritual experience. Like, like the heavens open and the fox came out. And, anyways.
0: How much on a percentage basis do you attribute that to the scene in Fantastic Mr. Fox where they see the wolf? <laughs> and they like. <laughs> wait but that's the wolf i'm just picturing i'm picturing i'm picturing uh positive connotations to the to the foxes from this and then the same experience of seeing the wolf as you seeing the foxes
1: i will admit my love of to them (laughs) i I haven't actually done that i should do that next time i see a fox um (laughs) but um I will admit that part of my love of foxes is probably attributed to that movie because I do love that movie. And I think it's pretty fun. And it's just a fun, goofy movie. But even without that movie, I think foxes would still be my favorite animal. They're just like so cool. And they're kind of like mysterious. You know, they're like, and they're cunning, smart. Anyways.
0: can we um, agree that the best fox is the Arctic fox. The one that jumps into the ice with the head first
1: yeah like dives down gets the buried prey like the shrews and whatever yeah i don't know um that's a cool fox i think just like the red fox is super cool though okay yeah yeah anyways um yeah sorry for that segue i did want to shout out to foxes because it's not like foxes really come up in conversation that much um so when it does i have to like
0: advantage waiting for this moment all been waiting
1: this is what i've been waiting for all of our podcast episodes is just for the topic of foxes to come up apparently yep okay Okay. well we have one question left um so last question is which fantasy slash sci-fi world like from movie or video game or whatever would you want to live in for a week and why
0: um so the i think the most obvious answer is is harry potter that being like at hogwarts for a week or or just the whole the whole world right so you can go to uh Diagon alley and uh in the borough and like like uh and obviously the different parts of hogwarts like that would be a that'd be a great experience that's probably my actual number one but I, i'm not going to count it here because you said fantasy sci-fi world I don't think Harry Potter's sci-fi. It's fantasy. So I'm going well, to... Th-
1: that meant to be. Like, I meant to be like fantasy or sci-fi.
0: Well, you didn't say it. You said fantasy, sci-fi. Well, that's and there's not a fantasy.
1: Fantasy, sci-fi is not a thing. It's fantasy or sci-fi. Okay, maybe, this this is going to be a different... This is going to be a whole different discussion, but
0: that's definitely true. So my actual answer, I think... Uh, it, I'm also biased because I just re- finished replaying the game but um, Mass, the Mass Effect world, the very popular EA BioWare video game series, uh, Mass Effect is set, I believe in like 2180 or something like that. And so it's, it's uh, interstell- an inter- interstellar system where humans meet a variety of other races and there's this galactic government and organization and you get to visit all these different worlds, and there's all these different types of aliens that have their own culture and their own worlds. So, and you can like travel pretty quickly if you have like a good ship between the worlds. So, if I could like go to the Citadel and like meet, you can meet Krogan and Asari and Turians and and see their home, go to their home worlds, spend like a day on each home world or something like that throughout the galaxy and you get to see space and you get to pass by all these planets and stuff, that would be pretty amazing. And obviously because it's so far in the future and, and a part of the game is uh, developing the, like the human race has developed very quickly in the past 150 years um, in order to reach the level of these aliens that have existed for a long time. Uh, so there's future kind of technology and I'm sure they have a, like amazing like food and like all kinds of cool stuff that I could do for a week. So that would probably be my, and you could go to places that aren't, there are places that are safe. Whereas I feel like there's lots of cool sci-fi worlds that are cool, but they're kind of sketchy. Mm, so yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be my choice. I- I'm assuming in this scenario, money is not really a factor i'm assuming i'm just given
1: yeah unlimited resources for this
0: this week i could just do whatever that would be my immediate pick that is biased because i've been playing mass effect and it's one of my favorite video games and video game worlds in specific but it is so specifically because of the diversity and the characters and the world that is built in the game so if i could go be a part of that world for a week that'd be awesome that'd be really cool
1: Nice. All right. Um, for me, uh, I mean, obviously, Harry Potter came to mind for me too because that would be super fun. I decided to not go with that one because, I mean, kind of like you said, it's kind of like an obvious answer. And then also, like, the Harry Potter world is like technically set in our world, so it's like, yeah, not really like a different world. So, um, um, the one that I thought of was uh, Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings. Um, specifically i'd want to live among the elves it just looks so cool like in the movies and everything like like the elaborate cities that they have and like elves are just super cool they're like just awesome beings i'd I'd live with legolas of course he's because he's the coolest um and yeah and then hopefully it's like during a peaceful time in middle earth so not like there's not like a big war like we see in lord of the rings but yeah and then I think it's so cool, too, because I've actually had the chance to, like, read some of the um, the books. Like, I've read The Lord of the Rings, and I've also read Wikipedia articles on the Silmarillion. So just getting exposed to the world that J.R. Tolkien created, like, it's really kind of unrivaled as far as, like, other books and things that people have come up with in, like, different worlds. Cause like he has like, it's so intricate, like all the cultures that he's come up with, like any, like each of those races kind of have their own cultures and things and stuff like that. I mean, I don't really know too much cause I'm not that big of a Tolkien nerd, but it just seems like super fun. And um, there'd be a lot to explore there. Um, so yeah,
0: that would be my so my pick. question. My question is what, what are you doing? Because my, the only concern with going to Middle Earth is that it's, it's not an advanced, it is an advanced society, I guess, but it's not not a modern society, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like there's lots of modern things that we take for granted that you would have to put up with for a week, perhaps. Yeah, no, I think I would enjoy it though, kind of living like a very simple life,
1: like, yeah. like living yeah. among the elves, just out in the woods, living off the land. We know whatever elves do, all the <sighs> elves eating the elf bread see that's the thing yeah you eat one bite of the elf bread and then you're full for the day you don't even need to worry about that kind of stuff you don't need to worry about like cooking a lot um i mean i feel like you have the basic necessities like you'd you'd have like shelter and stuff and
0: are you really full or is that like a diet thing where people are like oh no i'm good no it says like one bite like fills a full grown man for like
1: Uh an entire day
0: so what you could go live so, with the hobbits and eat like five meals and be full.
1: See, that's where I'd go on the weekend.
0: Uh-huh. So okay, you stay okay. with the elves yeah, during okay. the week
1: and then you go hang out with the hobbits for a good time on the weekend. Okay, you know, eating, drinking, and uh, watching fireworks and stuff like that, yeah. smoking the pipe, you know, all that, all that yeah. fun stuff. Yeah, see, that's yeah, that's the best of both worlds. And then maybe you hang out for the, with the dwarves for a little bit too they make you some nice stuff well like i was thinking like their jewelry and whatever like a crown or something like that yeah i feel like and like yeah there's a bunch of cool stuff that you could do in middle earth so um so yeah that's why i picked that one and then i also wanted to give a shout out to like as far as like a video game world i think it'd be fun to be in is kingdom hearts um and I feel like that's kind of a cheating answer, too, because kind of along the lines with your Mass Effect, where like it'd be it would actually be multiple worlds in one. Like that would be Kingdom Hearts, too, because it's like really all the Disney worlds and everything would be included in the Kingdom Hearts, because that's, you know, that's what he does. He goes to all these different um, like Disney movies and stuff like that um, and lives in those worlds. But on top of that, like there's also what, like lots of cool powers and abilities in those games that I think is kind of fun. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So that's like my honorable mention is kingdom hearts.
0: Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Was there anything else that you wanted to add in here, Jordan, before we wrap it up? No,
1: I think that's about it.
0: Okay. Well, we'd like to thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Provo pick and roll podcast. We hope that you will, uh, Subscribe if you're not already, and uh, make sure to be notified for our future episodes. We should have another episode coming out next week with a special guest, hopefully, if he's available. Um, And yeah, until next time. Who's Kevin? Go Cougs.